You're listening to Church of the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchoftheoaks.com. Amen. Hmm. Amen. Now you're awake again. Um, man, I, I don't. You said Slim found that that song. Thanks, man. That was legit. Um, man, I'm, I'm I'm excited about this morning for a, a lot of reasons. I want to. I'm excited to continue our study through the Great Commission because, like, this is the this is the thing we're trying to build our church to to accomplish. And so I want us to be able to understand it deeply and, and consistently and like all be on the same page about what it is that we're trying to do. I don't want the Great Commission to be something that we read at the end of every one of our services and never actually uh, get, to, get to do, all right? And so that's why we're walking through this series together in the Great Commission. And so if you've got your Bibles, that's where we're going to be. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20 again. So I'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word with you, even though it's going to be on the screen for you and it's giant and whatever. I, I want you to have stuff that you can be taking notes on and writing things down with. So you can be interacting with this as you head to tribe this week. I hope you're in a tribe, be in a tribe, uh, so you can unpack these things and have these kind of conversations with one another, all right? And so um, when we started church, we our Church of the Oaks, we, uh, the last thing we did was weekly worship services. This was the last thing that at least we added to that. The first thing we had was, was huddles, our discipleship groups, because honestly, that's, that's our heartbeat. That's the kind of stuff that'll change the world. People getting in a small group and talking about the word and reading the, reading the, the Bible on their own consistently and having some people to walk with, That'll change the world, all right? And so that's the first thing that we started on a weekly basis with huddles. And a few weeks after we started those, I got a text from, from one, of, one of our guys in our church. And, and he said, hey, can we, can we sit down and talk? And you guys, I mean, you've heard me say this before. If you've been around, like, I, I love getting to just sit around and have a cup of coffee with you and just get to hear about what God's doing in your life. And so we sat down over at Heritage House down by the river, and he had a friend with him. And we're sitting down and just kind of, I'm thinking we're just going to be catching up, doing normal life stuff, right? And he starts telling me this story. He's like, all right, so we've been reading through the gospel of Luke, right? And I got to Luke chapter 3, and, and Jesus was, was baptized. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's, that's how it goes down. That's Luke chapter 3, right? And he's talking about it, and he's like, so I'm, I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm reading through Luke chapter 3, and I just, it, it, it struck me like I've, I've never been baptized. I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've, I've just never done it. He's like, so I was reading it, and if Jesus got baptized, I feel like I should probably get baptized. So, like, how do we do that? I was like, I wanted to get up and hug him. Like I just, because there were so many things that he was communicating, like in, in just those those few words. Like I read my Bible, Jesus did this, so I want to do that. There's a lot that, that's communicated just in that little bit of a story. One, he was communicating, he was trusting in the authority of Christ. Like if Jesus says this, if Jesus has done this, and that's he's my authority because I'm a, I'm a Christian. I've trusted my life, and my eternity to him, so. He's communicating that he was leaning into and, and, and walking inside of the authority of Christ. Second thing, he's, he's communicating that he was, he's like he's actually trying to follow what the Bible says. He's not just like reading it, you know, he's trying to live the thing out, which is the entire point. Like the Bible's not this, it's not there for us to just be interested in or like have, you know, read because we're supposed to or something. It's supposed to change our lives. And so he's reading this. He's like, I'm trying to live in the authority of Christ. I'm trying to live out what my, what my Bible says and calls me to do. And the next thing, he's like, he's just, I'm trying to live a life of obedience. He didn't just want to live his way. He wanted to do what God had called him to do in accordance with his word, in accordance with the person of Jesus Christ. That's who I want to be. 
I want to be somebody who, when, when, when I see what Christ has called me to, when, when I see what, what Jesus has modeled for me, like I want to try to live my life in a way that lines up under the authority of Christ. And then when I come to the Word, when I come to the holy, inerrant, like inspired Word of God, like I want to do what it tells me to do. There's been a lot of times that I've probably done what you've done a lot where we sit down and I've read a bunch of stuff and I haven't really dug deep enough to figure out what to do with it. And so it's just been like a mental exercise. I don't want that to be my interaction with scripture. I want to live the thing out. And ultimately, I want to live a life of obedience to what God's called me to. Not what I want for, m- for myself, but what he wants for me. And this guy's sitting across from me over there like Heritage House down by the river just communicating this. And it was just such a great moment. And a few months later, we had our first baptism service, and he was a part of that very first service. So I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've never followed through in baptism. I want to get this done. And every week, we read the Great Commission. In the middle of it, there's this section about baptism, and I don't know how that strikes you, but I don't want that to be something that's just a, a mental part of this thing we read at the end of our services. I want to live this thing out. So just like we did with the, the first part about the authority of Christ, we took that apart and really examined that. I've heard from a lot of you that have been wrestling with what it means for the authority of Christ to to really be your authority, for him to be your king. That's what we started with. And the second one, we look deeply at what it means to make disciples, to go, as you are going, make disciples of all nations, right? And the very next thing it says is this. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing these people, like her coming to trust Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This morning, I want us to think really deeply about the practice of baptism. We're going to like take it apart. We're going to look really intently at this. This is probably, this is the most I've probably ever talked about baptism straight through, like ever, all right? Like I, I want you to get it. We're going to get it after this morning, okay? We're going we're gonna to be on the same page one way or another. And so I'm praying that as we do that, as we think deeply about this, you see the ramifications for your life, not just in doing some behavior, doing some practice, but about what it says about the authority of Christ, the authority of the word in your life, all right? Something we got to take seriously if we're going to get this great commission thing done together. So, Let's, let's first, let's, let's start here. Let's clarify our starting point, all right? And so our starting point for, for why we baptize, like why we do what we do in this, in this specific thing or the Great Commission in general or any sermon you hear us do, the reason we base our tribes and our huddles on the Word of God is because the Bible's our starting point. For us as a church, like the Bible's our starting point. We take the Word of God really seriously around here. We hold it high. And not just a little high, we hold the, the authority of the Word of God higher than any other any other thing that could be written, any other creed, any other source, any tradition, like around here, like the Bible is our authority and nothing else compares to, compares to it as far as truth goes for us. We're trying to live this thing out. We take it seriously. We really believe what 2 Timothy 3.16 says, that it's breathed out by God. It says all scriptures breathed out by God. Like it, like he gave it to you. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a love letter from the Lord to us. Like it's breathed out by God the Lord. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Like, this is what we need. We're going to live lives like honoring, glorifying God. Like, this is how we know him. This is how we know how to follow him. It's by living out the word of God. We believe the word. We trust it. Hold it high above anything else. We really do try to treat the word like it's, like it's God's breathed out word for us. Not something we just kind of dance around and you get to hear my ideas about some things and I give you some practical tips about how to have friends or something. Like, you don't, you don't need to know what I think. You need to know what the Word says. 
So another thing we try to do with the word around here, another thing I try to do with myself, I, I just want to go with the simplest reading of the text. If I'm having to do some gymnastics with a passage and do some kind of spin on it to make it fit what I want to do, that's not the simplest reading of the text. We just want to read the word for what it is and try to simply live it out. If we start trying to modify the word of God, if we start trying to f- modify what the word says about him, we're, we're modifying what God has revealed about himself. If, we're, if we kind of have to, if we do spin moves with the text, if we dance around passages that make us feel uncomfortable, or we try to pick the ones that we're going to live in obedience to and re- ignore some other ones, we're modifying what God has revealed about himself. And so in a sense, in our minds, we're modifying who God is. If we're modifying what he's revealed of himself, then we're modifying in our minds who we are. And if you modify who God is in your mind, then you're not really worshiping God anymore. You're worshiping this modified version of him that you've created. See what happens? If you start start tinkering with the word of God and start trying to pick and choose what you're going to do and follow, you end up creating an own God in your mind that fits your mindset, fits your perspective, and he's not holy anymore. He's yours. So we've got to have this authority. So in practice, we're just trying to we're trying to follow him. We're not trying to find, follow a myth. And in practice, if we start changing things, we'll quickly find ourselves following a myth of our own making. So the word's got to be our starting point. We've got to take it seriously. We've got to hold it high. And then what it says is, is the breathed out word of God, who is now our authority. If you're a Christian, like we live under the authority of the text because it's breathed out by him. So when that student read Luke 3, and I'm sitting across the table from this guy, he's like, man, I read Luke 3. He didn't just think it was a nice thought. He didn't just think that it was nice that Jesus did this. Like, he didn't just walk past it. He trusted the authority of it, and his immediate reaction was to change himself. Not to change the text. Not to, like, just skip around something. He's like, I'm going I'm to change me because of what the Word says. So as we dig into these next few words of the Great Commission, I'm praying that you're going to do the exact same thing. I'm praying that for, for us as we as dig into these next few words. Actually, every time I'm up here, every time that you're sitting there with your Bible open in your, in your house or your dorm with your kids, like, I'm praying that this is, like, this is what we're doing. We're taking the, these next few words that are to come seriously as breathed out by God. So with that foundation laid, all right, we get to this next part of the Great Commission. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, so what, is it, what does baptize mean? What is that like, like just definition-wise? Like that's, that's not a word that we use in any other context, all right? So what does the word baptism mean? That's important for us to understand. So it's kind of a strange deal because um, baptize isn't really like an English word. In the 1500s, when, when the Bible was being translated into English, there were some words that English didn't have a good word for. Okay, and so in some senses, they kind of made some accommodations for that and figured out the best, you know, best fit, right? But in, in some places, they did what's called transliteration, all right? And transliteration basically means you respell a Greek word with English letters and just kind of hope for the best, all right? So the Greek word was baptizo. And they're like, well, that kind of doesn't sound very English. I should go with baptize, all right? Sounds good, and they just kept moving, all right? So it's a transliteration. It's a, it's a respelling of a Greek word. So it's, it's just straight up a Greek word. But the, the definition of it in Greek was, is just to immerse, like to submerge, like to, to immerse something. 
But that, like in our language, like that is, that's not a full enough definition. Like that's not, that's, that's not enough. Like you can, you can immerse yourself in a book, right? Like my little boy Jack's been reading all kind of crazy books about everything and he just zones out. Are you the, any of you those people that when you're reading, somebody could like punch you in the ear and you'd have no idea that it happened? That's my kid, all right? You can, you can be immersed in a book. So you need, a, you need a more full definition of what that practically means for us. So what we do is we go to the rest of the New Testament and look for the way that they, they live this thing out. What did they do? So they had this word. They, they, they were going to baptize. They were baptizoing people, all right? And so how did, how did that play out in the New Testament? So we go to the model of Scripture. And so the model, it lines up with that definition of immersing, but with added significance. You get to John chapter 3, in verse 23, and it says this, it says, After this, Jesus and his disciples, say, went into the Judean countryside. And he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water, water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized. All right, so there's, there's, they're baptizing people in this place where there's a lot of water. You don't need a lot of water unless you're immersing people. Like, that's just, that's the way they're doing this. So Jesus is there, the disciples are there, John the Baptist is there. People are being baptized there because there was enough water to actually get it done. Okay? Mark 1.10, Jesus' baptism. It says in verse 9 of Mark 1, Mark 1 verse 9, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water... Right? Like there's an immersion thing there. Immediately saw the heavens being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You're my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. Like that's that's this is the way that they did this. So like the baptizo meant to immerse. And so as you start reading through the New Testament, you see people being immersed, but with more significance than just being dunked in some water. There was more going on than that. All right, so in the New Testament, people were baptized. They were immersed, but we go with the simplest reading of Scripture around here. That's what we're trying to do. And so as a church, that's how we baptize people. We baptize people by immersion because when you see baptism in the New Testament, that's the way they did it. But there's more to it than that. It's not just a, a, a cold act. Like, there's, there's so much more significance. Going on, so we've got to keep going. So we know what it means, but who should be baptized? Like, who, who, is, who is this for? And, and, and in a minute, like, why do we do this at all? So first, who's it for? All right, so look at, look at the pro- progression in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Is it up there? Yeah. All right, so we got, yeah, go. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. A few weeks ago, we talked about nations being, being people groups. Not like, like geopolitical nations, but like people groups. And so we talked about how there's, there's the nations are here in Tuscaloosa, on the campus of the University of Alabama, and like in our city. Like the nations are here, but we go to the nations. We're hoping to see God, like the gospel take root in like people groups all across our world, right? And so we, we're going to go and we're going to share the gospel with the nations. Then it says baptizing them. And the word there gets individualistic. Because this is the way this works. As Christians go and they share the gospel, they're sharing with people like far and wide, like they're doing what God's called us to do. Individual people hear the good news of Jesus and respond. Nations don't respond to Christ. Individual people respond to Christ, right? And so when, when, when the gospel takes root in somebody's life, they hear that Jesus loved them enough to die on the cross for them. They trust their life to that. They, they trust him in faith. Like they are saved. Like they're Christians. That's what it means to be a Christian. You've trusted Christ in faith. Like, I believe in what he did on the cross for me. I want to be forgiven by him. I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. Trust in Christ in faith. And it says, and, we, and they, people do that when they become these believers, like when we go and we baptize them. It moves from the collective to the individualistic. 
This reminds me of the story of, of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Or, or, or where God sends Philip and, and he, he sends him to this, uh, this guy. He's an important Ethiopian official and he's riding in this chariot and he's, he's reading from the word of God. And God sends Philip over and like prompts him to go and talk to this guy in the chariot. And so Philip kind of runs over next to the chariot and he's like trotting along beside it like a, you know, common person. Like, you know, that's how he's doing it. You know, he's next to the chariot. The guy's reading scripture. Philip's on the ground next to him. And Philip kind of calls up and says, hey, do you, do you really, do you really un- you understand what you're reading? And the guy's frustrated. He like speaks down to, like to Philip and he says, no, like how, how can I understand what I'm reading unless somebody explains it to me? And Philip's like, oh, actually, I can help you with that. And so he stops and invites Philip up into the chariot and, he, and they sit down next to each other and it says in verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with that, the scripture the guy was reading, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along, they were you know, going on the road, they, they came to some water. And this guy, this eunuch, he says, see, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? This guy, he like heard the good news about Jesus he believed it. He's, like, he's trusting Christ. And like immediately, like Philip has clearly explained, the next step for him would be baptism. And he wanted to get it done. So he commanded in verse 38. It says he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Down into the water. There's that immersion thing again. And don't miss this. Like every time in the New Testament that you see a reference to Christian baptism, it follows someone's salvation. This same progression happens where somebody, like this... Ethiopian unit, he's trusted Christ, like he believes, and then the first step of obedience in his life is, is baptism. Every time you see baptism, Christian baptism happening in the New Testament, it follows that same pattern. Somebody's come to trust Christ as their Savior, and then they follow up that, that decision to trust Christ with the decision to let the world know that through baptism. That's the way that happens. In Scripture, we see seekers becoming believers, and then believers being baptized. So some of you, just like, I, I don't want to, I, I want to tread lightly here because I, I, <laughs> um, I just, I, I love you and I, 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 I don't ever want to like offend you, but I also want you to know what the word says, right? And so I know that some of you might have grown up in some traditions and some backgrounds where things were done a little bit differently. Like you may have been sprinkled like as a baby, you know, and kind of in, in hopes, like in the anticipation, in the, in the hope that one day that you would trust Christ. But, but like, I mean, I talk to people all the time that that's, that's their situation. Like, you didn't have anything to do with that. You didn't choose that. Right? Like, you didn't get to tell your story. That wasn't your testimony. Right? Like, that, wasn't, that was a thing that was done in, in hopes of a future decision that you would make. And I, that may have been a significant, like, meaningful, important moment for your family. It may have been a really significant moment, like, in, 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 in your life as you've kind of like, thought about that. Like, my, my, my parents did this for me. But, like, that's a, that's a, a different it's a different thing than what you see in the New Testament. I'm not saying it wasn't significant. I'm just saying it's not what you see here. It's a different thing. There's a promise that was made. There was a hope that was made for you, but it's, that's, not, that's not you publicly professing your faith in Christ because you, were a, you weren't a believer, right? So some of you may have gone through a, like a process of confirmation or a class, and at the end of that class, like the completion of that class signified that, that you had trusted Christ. Like that was kind of like the, the celebration, like you've done the class, so now like you're, you're, you're a Christian. Okay, and like I, I love that you went through a class and, and learned about the Lord, and like that's, I, that's, of course, that's what we want for all of us, right? Like to be growing in knowledge of the Lord, like there's something significant about that. But, but trusting in Christ is what saves you. Trusting Christ and like by faith, like putting your faith and trust and hope in Jesus, like that, that's what saves you. And baptism is, 
It's how Christ has called you to share that. And a class class isn't a substitute for it. So what we're reading together this morning, what you'll read all across the New Testament is that when you trust Christ as your Savior and Lord, like one of the first acts of obedience for us is baptism. So listen, like if you're a Christian in the room, like, and you might have been a Christian for a really long time, and like you've just, you've never been baptized, like following your faith in Christ, you've never been baptized. Like I want you to think really deeply on what we're talking about this morning. Because there's a, there's a significance to this. Like there's a huge significance in the life of every believer to this baptism. So let's, let's, we, gotta, we gotta talk about the significance. So we've seen the foundation of it. We've seen why we do this by immersion and we think about who should be baptized, like people who have trusted in Christ. So what does it mean? Like what's it for? So first, like, oh, let's, let's clarify this, like what it's not for, what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean salvation. Baptism doesn't save you. I have this conversation a lot. Like I have this conversation with people a lot who have this mindset that there's something about baptism where like you go down to the water and you come out and it's like literally washing the sin off of you. That's just that's you don't see that in scripture. You just don't. Like so we've seen that we've seen that song, uh, that nothing but the blood song. It says, What can wash away my sin? Right? Nothing, like there is no behavior, there is no thing that you can do that can take away your sin. That's the whole point of the gospel. Like, I am broken and messed up before the Lord. I've walked away from him more times than I could possibly count. Like, I am sinful before this holy and perfect and good God. Like, I I cannot do anything to take away my sin. I needed Jesus to come and pay my price for me. So he left out of heaven, came and died on a cross for me, paid, paid my price, paid my punishment with his life on a cross, rose from the grave, defeating even death for me. And then all I get to do is just say yes to the gift that he's offered me of grace. That's all I get to do. When I've trusted my life in grace, like, I was like, I, just, I need you to save me. I believe it. I, want, like, I need you to forgive me. Then I'm saved. And like, the righteousness of Christ is like given to me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus takes away your sin. No behavior, no effort of your own. It's just nothing but the blood, like trusting in Christ. 1 John 1, 7 says this, If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with him one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Baptism doesn't save you. Christ saves you. And baptism is a point of obedience. It's a, it's a thing that we're called into, but it's not the act that saves you. You trusting Christ is what saves you. And if you haven't done that yet, man, I'm praying that this morning, like right there where you sit, you'll tr- put your hope and your faith and your trust in Christ. Let him forgive you. Let him save you right there in that chair where you're sitting in this room. So if, it, if it's not salvation, if it's not washing away, it's like, what is it for? It's in these next few words in our passage. It says, it, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So some, there's something here like that, that I think a lot of times maybe when we read this together, we just sort of pass over, like that's a nice thing to say, but we don't necessarily understand the, the weight of that. Think about the weight of these words, like you're being baptized, like you're being marked, identified, now by the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, like I, when, you, when you're baptized, you're publicly identifying yourself. You're publicly, like, marking yourself. You're letting the entire world, like, your people know, like, this is who I am now. I'm now baptized in his name. I'm his. I'm no longer mine. I'm trusting that my life was bought with the price of the cross. Like, I'm his now. 
Baptism publicly identifies you with the God that you're trusting and following. This is our way of publicly declaring our faith, of sharing our story, our testimony. That's why we do these baptism videos that we do. The reason we do the baptism videos is because as you're declaring your faith publicly, I, I want people to get to hear your story because there's going to be 15 more people sitting out here who, are, who came through the same way you came through, who are struggling with the same stuff you struggle with, and I want them to be encouraged by your story. So we let you share your story as you're publicly letting the world know, like, this is who I am. I'm marked by Christ. I'm not my own anymore. I'm his. That's why we, that's why we do this. Being baptized in his name identifies you as his. And all of that, like, when we start talking about baptism videos, we start talking about, like, publicly doing this, all of that, that speaks to, like, there's a, there's a real hurdle to baptism. Isn't there? Some of you are sitting there and like, you know, because that's what, that's what you're wrestling with you right now. Like, they've, like they've, you're in a spot where you're thinking about this. You're like, man, I've, I've, I'm a Christian. I've never been baptized yet. Or like, I'm, I want to trust Christ, but I'm scared of this whole baptism thing. Like, there's a real hurdle to this for all of us. And I, I think that's intentional. Most of us, like, I remember being baptized. Most of us, when we were baptized, like, we're pretty nervous about it. And I think there's a, a reason why. I think that that's the way that God intentionally planned this. One day back in Huntsville, a friend of mine came up to me, and this guy's like almost 30, and like we're the same age basically, and he's, he's just a really, really solid man of God. He's, he's in the band, like he was the drummer, he was leading small groups and discipling people and helping run things, like he's deeply ingrained, like a key leader in, in, in our church in Huntsville, all right? And so he's, he's been there for his whole life. Like, he's, he's always been around. Like, everybody there knows him and knows the strength of his faith. And, like, he's just, you know, people are, like, following him as he's following Christ. And so one day he comes up to me and he has this, like, really, uh, you know, just downcast. He's always a happy guy. He's one of those kind of people, right? And he's just, like, got this downcast look on his face. And he's like, hey, man, well, can, we, can we talk for a minute? And so he goes, kind of stand aside for a second. And he says, look, I, I just got to tell you something. Um, I, I, I was baptized when I was a little kid. Uh, everybody was doing it, and uh, so I got, I got baptized. But I didn't become a Christian until a few years later when I was in high school. So a few years later, like, I, I, I heard the gospel. It, like, clicked in my mind, and I knew I needed Jesus, and I, I wanted to follow, and I, I trusted Christ. But I'd, I'd been baptized before that, which means I really haven't told my story. I really haven't publicly professed my faith. I've never been baptized after I became a Christian. And he's like, but so many years have passed, and I'm doing all these things, and I'm leading in all these ways, and I'm just, it's, it's like eating me up, but I'm, I'm so worried about what everybody will think about me if I were to actually do this, if I were to actually get baptized now that I'm, you know, 30 years old, and I've been a Christian for 15, and I've been leading for the last 12, you know, like, like I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up anybody's faith, like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm just worried, and he's like so like like burdened by that. And I, I had that I had that conversation like three times this week. Okay, like there's just a lot of us like there's this worry in us about what are, if I've been a Christian for a while and I've never got this done, or like I'm I'm worried that if I do trust Christ, like I don't I don't want anybody looking at me. And I get that, but there's this like really interesting thing about, about about hurdles. Hurdles prove that you can jump over them. I mean, like there's there's there's, there's a barrier in place, but there, it serves a purpose. Like, think about this, like, historically, when, when these words were being written for us, um, baptisms took place in rivers. They took place in, like, public waterways, like, places where people would be gathering, people would be getting water, people would be there, like, like, the whole community would be around. And so if you got baptized, everybody in your town would know it. 
Like, there was no hiding it. You couldn't get baptized in secret somewhere, like, away from everybody. Like, you couldn't do that. Like, the only, like, public water, the only place that would work for this was out in front of everybody. And as persecution, the church was starting to pick up, and people were being, like, like persecuted for trusting Christ. Getting baptized meant that you could literally lose your life for this. This would have been a really easy thing for early Christians to skip, and so, like, hey, I've trusted Christ. Like, I, I mean, I've got the faith thing. I've done this. I don't really need to get murdered for this by getting baptized out in the river, all right? So let's just skip that part and keep moving on. But they didn't. And neither should we. Think about, like, just modern times, like, in, like, uh, in, in closed countries. Think about the cost of being baptized, of being publicly identified as a follower of Jesus. If you're in a place where following Christ can literally cost your life, the weight of baptism, the hurdle of baptism is monumental. The cost for you and me is, honestly, it's, it's nothing in comparison, right? But there's still a hurdle for us. And again, I think that's intentional on the part of the Lord because like Jesus, Jesus has never been interested in making it easy for people to follow him. You start reading the New Testament, like Jesus has never been interested in making it just easy and comfortable for people to follow him, ever. Consistently, you see Jesus, like when crowds are showing up, Jesus is sending the crowds away, like saying these really hard statements and talking in parables and saying, listen, I only want the people that really want to follow me. If you're really invested, if you're willing to give up your whole old way of life and come and follow me, then come. But if you want the easy way out, if you want to keep things the way they were, this probably isn't for you. That's the story of the rich young ruler, right? Where this guy comes up and he's like, Jesus, I want to follow you. What do I have to do to follow you? And Jesus sees this guy. He's got all this wealth. And he says, it's going to cost you letting go of all of that. If you'll let go of all that wealth and come and follow me, you're going to find life. And the guy didn't do it. The hurdle was too high. But it also exemplified it, like pointed out the fact that he wasn't ready. He wasn't willing to give his all. He wasn't, he wasn't re- ready to, like, to pay the, the cost, the sacrifice of letting go of his old life to come and follow Christ. There's something about baptism for us that, that, that reflects this, where they're like, when we, we face this like nervous thing of like, I, there's a hurdle here, like, do I love him enough? Do I want to follow him enough to step over this hurdle? Or is this hurdle of having some people look at me, is that too high of a cost for me to publicly share that I've trusted Christ as my Savior? I think that's a good litmus test for us. And so if you're weighing that out, I just want you to hear like, a lot of us, a lot of people through history have paid a much higher cost than us. So, if you're here, <laughs> if you're here and you've trusted Christ with your life, but for whatever reason, you've, you've never been baptized after being saved, um, man, let's, let's do it. Right? Like that buddy of mine who walked up to me, he's 30 years old, and he's like, I've never done this. He's all like, this looks so upset. And I just grab his, grab his shoulders, and I'm like, dude, this is not a big deal. Let's just do this, right? And his face kind of lights up. And he's like, for real? I'm like, yeah, we have a baptism service coming up. I'm going to baptize you, and it's going to be just fine, right? And so I had some high school students that had trusted Christ, and we baptized some of them. And then my, you know, big old buddy Garrett, like, lines up in the back, right? And he's 30 years old. got this, like, massive, like, awesome beard, right? And I'm like, this is Garrett. Garrett's been a Christian for, like, 15 years and has never been baptized yet. And he's here to let you know he's Trust of Christ as a Savior. And everybody, like 150 people standing there watching, just lost their mind about it because somebody was willing to walk in obedience to Christ, right? And say, I don't care that I don't, I don't care that it's a little embarrassing. I don't care that there's a little bit of humility to get this done. Like, I just, I want to follow Jesus. I don't care what anybody thinks about that. They lost their, like, everybody's just losing it. And we baptized Garrett, and he lived, okay? Like, he survived it. He was fine, you know? 
So if you're sitting there and like there's this weight on you and you're like, I see what I'm, I see what Christ has called me to do. I just never done this. Like, I don't know what my parents are going to think. I don't know. I mean, I'm leading, like leading a huddle and I'm baptized. Like what? Can we just do this and get on with it? Like, let's go, man. Like, let's, let's, let's jump the hurdle. Let's get this done. Let's share your story. I think everybody's going to be pretty excited about it. And if anybody, if anybody's there who's not excited about you publicly sharing your faith in Christ, they can get out. Okay. Like, I don't, Seriously, who would not be excited for you? Let's go. Let's just do this, man. So, like, we're baptizing people in a few weeks who've been Christians a while. And they're gonna get, we're going to baptize them out there in those little picnic tables over here because they won't let us baptize people in here because they're worried about their fancy screen, okay? So, like, we're going to baptize them out there. Like, we're going to do it. And I want, the, I want you to get to have that experience, too. I want you to get to say, like, I, I love him enough. I'm, I'm following him committedly enough that I'm going to get this done. All right, so if you're, if you're a Christian in the room and that's you, um, right there on that connection card, there's a box that says, I want to talk to somebody about baptism. And so on the way out, I want you to check that box and I want you to drop it in one of those white baskets and one of us is going to get in touch with you and have a conversation with you about it. Make sure you've actually trusted Christ and answer any questions that you've got about how this would go down and you're going to have the opportunity to actually follow through and get this done. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to throw the party to end all parties about it, all right? Now, if you're, if you're a Christian in the room, you have been baptized. Um, I hope that there's something about like, this, the clarity of this is that, 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 that's helpful for you, that, that the call of Christ is a high call. And that if, if, like, if you got baptized when you were really young, I just wanna, like, that want you to be thinking about what it would take for you if you were coming to Christ right now as a 20-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 60-year-old in the room, if you were coming to Christ about the, about the hurdle it would be for you to publicly profess your faith. And as you speak into other people's lives, as you're sharing the gospel with people, even this week, I want you to get to, to see the significance of Christ, be reminded of the, of the weight of, of, of trusting him with your life. All right, and if you're not a Christian yet, like if our, our band's coming, they're going to lead us in a time response. If you're not a Christian yet, here's, here's, here's what we believe. Here, here's what we're convinced of, that there's a God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And he offered you a gift of grace that you didn't deserve. And the, the point, at whatever point in your life when you're like, I do believe and I want to follow him instead of follow me, you put your faith in Christ, you'll be saved. Like the moment you put your faith in Christ, you'll be saved. So if you're, if you're not a Christian yet, you're in the room, and I just want to invite you like right now to do something with that. I don't know, like as our band comes, I'm going to be on the front row right here. If you just want to come and talk with me, I'd love to talk with you. I'm going to be down here until everybody leaves. I'll just, I'd love to spend some time talking with you. We're going to have some people back there in the back who would love to some, some, spend some time just talking to you right now. As our, our hey team's going to leave, and they're going to go set things up for you. But as you, as you're, like you can leave with them. Go find somebody and say, hey, can we talk? Maybe after you get out of here and you we go to lunch or whatever, like grab somebody that invited you and say, hey, sometime can, can we talk? I've got some questions. Have those conversations. Get those questions answered. Figure this thing out because eternity hangs in the balance for you. Would you trust Christ as your Savior? Would you follow him with your life? Would you let go of that old life and all of its misery and all of its sin and all of its shame and follow him? I want to pray for us, and then our band's going to lead us. Let's pray. Father, um, God, we want to be people who are just simply and honestly following you. We don't want to be people who know about you. We want to be people who actually do what you've called us to do, and God, sometimes it's hard. And sometimes there's, I don't know, sometimes we're scared. Sometimes it doesn't matter what the barrier is, God. There's always barriers. There's always barriers. 
But for me, and I think for a lot of us, God, we want to we know you deeply. We want to follow you well. So help us have the boldness to do that. I pray for the people in the room who are, are Christians already. They've trusted you with their life, but they've just never followed this step of obedience. God, I pray that they do it. Give them the boldness to do it, to jump that hurdle, to share their story with the people around them. I pray for the Christians in the room who have been baptized. I pray that you would impress upon us anew the weight, the significance of trusting Christ. Remind us of the cost. And I pray for my friends in the room who haven't trusted you yet at all. Maybe the people in the room who aren't even sure you're there. People who aren't convinced that you exist whatsoever. God, I pray that you would help them to find answers. God, I know in a room this size, there's people right now that know that they want to trust you as Savior. I know there's a weight on them trying to keep them in their seat, keep them from talking to somebody. And I pray that by your Spirit that you would embolden them to have that conversation, to come find me, come find somebody, come find a friend and say, hey, can we talk? I want to trust Christ. God, I pray they do that before they leave this room. God, as a church, help us to be committed to the Word. Help me to point people to the Word. Help us as a, as a, as a, as a body of believers to live our lives in accordance with you, what you've given us. Help us to follow you well, no matter the cost. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with us? Our band leads us.